step with me into the word maze. In every episode, I share a few words that caught my eye while reading. Then I'll tell you a bit about the three books I found those words in. And near the end of this word maze episode, I share some advice I've come across on writing fiction and sometimes non-fiction. You can find the web companion to this podcast over at wordmaze.cafe. And if we haven't met before, I'm Pilar Orti. Are you ready? Let's enter the word maze. Welcome to this very first episode of the Word Maze podcast. I'm Pilar Orti and I'm a bookaholic, by which I mean that I'm addicted to browsing through books, to buying books, and I always have three or four books on the go. And that's the books I'm reading, but they're also the books I am writing. And well, the best way of kicking off this first episode of Word Maze is to tell you a little bit about the sections making up this podcast. In the first section, I invite you to get lost in meaning as I share with you a range of words that I've discovered while reading. Um, so I've learned them through reading or mainly those words for which I couldn't quite nail down the exact definition. So I had to look them up and I'm picking these words by going through the vocabulary builder in my Kindle in a paper white. And I thoroughly recommend you look at this feature because the vocabulary builder stores every word that you look up as you read. So every word that you look up the definition in the dictionary, in the Kindle dictionary, gets stored in this vocabulary builder. I think this is a feature only in the paper white and you can access it through the main menu. So what I've done, I've picked a range of words from three different books. So some episodes will have more words than others and I've tried to pick contrasting books, two fiction and one non-fiction for each episode, as that is more or less the balance of how and what I read. So I usually read, yeah, well, I have more than one non-fiction book on the go, but I think that's quite a good balance. And then as I wrap up each group of words, uh, you might want to try and guess the author or the book they come from. So I do the words first, and then I tell you what book they come from. Then during the second section of the podcast, I'll tell you a bit about the books I've mentioned. Um, and now I need to warn you, this is not going to be a thorough analysis of the books. I have to confess that I often forget what's happened in the book by the time I get to the end. Um, I'm just left with a feeling for the book or a feeling for the character. I can remember some images, but sometimes, I don't know if this has happened to you, I have picked up a book thinking I hadn't read it and while I was on page 50 I've gone... This all sounds very familiar. And yes, I've read this before. So, and even as I said, even by the time I get to the end of the book, I've forgotten. So I will recommend the books or not and tell you a bit about them, but it won't be a thorough analysis. Um, if they're the nonfiction books, well, I often make notes uh, from those. So I'll be able to quote you a little bit from them. But honestly, with the novels, you have to do a little bit more groundwork to see whether you want to take up my recommendations. I will always have links to the books in the show notes. And finally, during the third section of the podcast, I will share some advice on writing that I've come across, either in books or in other podcasts. And mainly, I'll be sharing advice on writing fiction. But what I've noticed is that most of the advice on writing fiction can be transferred to writing almost anything. 
So if you're interested in writing in any capacity, fiction, non-fiction, memoir, for pleasure, for money, for business, regardless of why you're interested in writing, well, hopefully you'll enjoy the last section too. Now, I really love reading and I really enjoy writing, which is why I've started this podcast. Uh, I have some other shows too, other podcasts. And of course, I have a range of books out, which uh, you can buy through Amazon and other retailers on a range of topics. Uh, No fiction yet, (laughs) but I really I've had. um, Yes, I'm trying to get my first novel ready. I've been working on it for a couple of years now. Uh, But if you want to see any of this information and indeed more information about the podcast and the words we cover, then go to wordmaze.cafe and you will find information on the words, podcasts and my books, my other podcasts. Right, that's the introduction of this first episode, just to tell you a little bit about what to expect from the word maze. Right, let's crack on with today's words. It will be interesting to know how many you already know. So what I've done is I'm going to group them according to the book I found them in, and I will then also give you the sentence in which they appear. So get ready for the first one. Subriquet. And this is a person's nickname, although in the context I found it, it referred to the nickname being given to a place instead of a person. So here's the quote from the book. Juarez had become known as the murder capital of the world, earning its sobriquet with over 2,500 homicides a year. Right, next word. How about insouciant? Showing a casual lack of concern. I'll give you the sentence for this one because it works quite well out of context. Her head was cocked on her shattered neck at an angle that was almost insouciant. (laughs) So showing a casual lack of concern. And I quite like this next word because the way in which it was used is uh, quite imaginative. Douse. It can mean pour a liquid over, drench and extinguish. And for the third definition that my Kindle dictionary gives me, referring to sailing, lower a sail quickly. So the sentence I found this, um, the sentence in which I found this word in the book is, when they reached the ethanol plant, Dan doused the rental car's lights, turned into the service road and rolled slowly up to the closed gate. And I love that. I love the fact that they've taken a sailing word and put it into the car's lights, although maybe... Maybe this is a uh, this is a common use of the word. I'm not sure. I don't usually talk about lights lowering. So, um, well, okay. Well, those uh, three words came from Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, Shining Book Two, and I'll talk a little bit about the book uh, in the next section. Another set of words, glibly, which means fluent but insincere and shallow. They had said the things you were supposed to say at an anniversary dinner, but they hadn't said them glibly. I love it. It's a great word. How about this other one? Soubrette, a minor female role in a comedy. If I'd known what the word meant, I would have been way ahead of the book's protagonist. This is the quote. Lots of shows seemed to need soubrettes, but she didn't know what a soubrette was, and she didn't have a dictionary, and she didn't know where her nearest library was. If there wasn't an English word for it, though, then it was probably work best avoided, at least until she was really desperate. 
So as you can probably tell, this book is set before the internet. <laughs> now, after pulling this quote out, I thought it would be worth digging a little bit more into the meaning of the word of uh, subred. So this is what dictionary.com gave me. A maid servant or lady's maid in a play, opera or the like, especially one displaying coquetry, pertness and a tendency to engage in intrigue. Right, one more from this book. You probably know or can guess the meaning of this one. Iniquity. It's immoral or grossly unfair behavior, a den of iniquity. Now, that's the example the Kindle Dictionary gives me. And then the context in which it's used in the book. Thank you for coming to this den of iniquity, Bill said. Interesting, eh? This den of iniquity. Well, these last three words come from Funny Girl by Nick Hornby. Very different to Stephen King's. Let's now go to the vocabulary I picked up from a non-fiction book. Let's start with my favorites. Let's start with my favorite, cantankerous, meaning bad-tempered, argumentative and uncooperative. I think that could well describe me sometimes. <laughs> Here it is in context. It might give you a clue as to the book I dug it out from. Macrea was as beloved as he was cantankerous. Andrew Stanton would later immortalize him in the character of Captain B. Next up, a word I hear often but I rarely use, lackluster, which means lacking in vitality, force or conviction. And of the hair or the eyes, not shining, dull. Here's the quote. We felt the decline of hand-drawn animation was not attributable. That's a nice word, attributable. Let me go again. We felt the decline of hand-drawn animation was not attributable to the appeal of 3D, but simply to lackluster storytelling. Any thoughts about what the book I'm referring to is about? I'll give you the last word from this list. Lording. Now, the Kindle Dictionary doesn't give me the meaning of the word. Instead, it brings up William Lord, or Loud, 1573 to 1645, Archbishop of Canterbury between 1633 and 45. His attempts to restore some pre-Reformation practices in England and Scotland aroused great hostility and were a contributory cause of the English Civil War. He was executed for treason. Nice. <laughs> so, lauding, I looked that up, uh, means praising, to extol, which is another interesting word, extol. And as a noun, lauding can be a hymn of praise. And in the context in which the word was used in my third book uh, recommendation today, um, and it's going to give away the subject of the book, here it is. The film was the only Pixar production during which we didn't have a major crisis. And after the film came out, I repeatedly said so in public, lauding its crew for racking up not a single disaster during the film's gestation. And the film that this quote is referring to is Toy Story 3. And the book I'm referring to is Creativity Inc. Overcoming the Unseen Forces That Stand in the Way of True Inspiration by Ed Catmull. Wonderful. I really enjoyed that book, more than as a business book, actually, as a, as a story. It's wonderfully, wonderfully written. So, yeah, this last book, this is the section of the podcast where I tell you a little bit more about the books. So Creative Ink by Ed Catmull. Well, 
If you are a Pixar fan, you will really enjoy the book as the author tells the story of how Pixar evolved and it gives you a real insight into how the films and the storylines are created in the company. And it's worth remembering that it was Ed Catmull together with John Lasseter who were put in charge of reinvigorating Disney when the giant acquired Pixar. So there's some really interesting stories there too about trying to introduce change in a large established organization. Yeah, if you like reading books which look at behavior in organizations and creating the conditions for for creativity to flourish, then this book is full of inspirational stories. I recommend it. I think it's a really engaging business book. Now for the two fiction books. First off, Funny Girl by Nick Hornby. Well, I quite enjoyed the book, mainly from from admiration at the author having written it like a historical novel. It includes photographs and everything, It um, or, or a diary. It, it takes place in the 60s in London, and it's the story of a northern girl who becomes an actress in a sitcom. And, well, I have to confess that I had to look up the reviews on Amazon to remind me of what happened in the book, as my strongest memory of it is the image of the writers and possibly the actress sitting around the table, racking their brains to come up with more material after the initial first sitting of the sitcom becomes successful. Um, yeah, and I do remember it was a light read and I, I really enjoyed it. The, uh, the other book I borrowed words from today is Dr. Sleep, The Shining Book 2. And I think this was the first Stephen King book I ever read. Well, the first novel I read. I'll tell you a little bit about the other book, my first Stephen King book I read. <laughs> this is the first novel, and I have to say I'm not a great fan of his books or the genre in particular. It's more about the genre I don't like, but I did really enjoy this book anyway, and I did get through to the end. If you like suspense, horror, with a little bit of the supernatural about it, then this is a book for you, I imagine, like most Stephen King's. But I found some of the characters difficult to digest because they were really, really unpalatable as in it was very difficult to want to stay with them. And I think that's what I found harder about the book is that I really, there was a set of characters I really didn't want to be with. Um, still, if you like the genre, what's not to like about the book? So today I recommend Funny Girl by Nick Hornby, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull and Doctor Sleep, The Shining Book 2 by Stephen King. And now for the third part of the show, the bit with some stuff about writing. I love writing. When I was little, I used to write stories for pleasure. I also wrote plays. Then I grew up and I continued writing plays and I even had some of them staged when I ran a theatre company in London. Then I, you know, I dived into business and continued writing lots of non-fiction but stopped writing fiction. Then a couple of years ago when I stopped making theatre I began to need to use my imagination again to create different worlds so as I said at the beginning of this episode I'm now working on a novel and so I'm continuously reading about writing which is the best way of making sure you never get down to writing <laughs> just being sarcastic. Um, Yes, I'm, so I read a lot about writing. I listen to a lot of podcasts about writing. Uh, I'm starting to talk about it now because I want to 
um, because I want to learn more and I want to start doing more of it. So I thought that with every episode on reading, I'd also include a little bit of insight into the art and craft of writing. And what better book to start with than the very popular, quoted in every single book about writing. Well, if you haven't guessed yet, let me tell you that I've already talked about the author here today, Mr. Stephen King's on writing. And that was the first Stephen King book I read. Yeah, I had seen the book referenced and talked about so many times that I absolutely had to read it, even though I hadn't read any of his novels. On writing is honest, unpretentious, and it's also a memoir, which I really like. Um, the advice is mainly advice at meta level. Uh, and there are very few tactics or exercises, which, which I really like because I prefer nonfiction that helps me to draw my own conclusions rather than that which tries to tell me exactly what I should do. So I avoid how-tos and methods, but I really like memoirs and, and big pieces about big ideas. Having said that, there's a lot of advice that King uh, gives, of course, uh, and the advice that gets quoted most is that there are two things you need to do if you want to be a writer. Read and write. And I couldn't agree more. Um, but this is a very basic truth that has got a little bit lost in the new world where it's easier to put your work out there than ever. There's so much advice for writers now that has nothing to do with the craft of writing. And for me, on writing goes right back to that, to their craft. Another little bit of insight I enjoyed is the fact that people like to read about work. Now, for me, that rings completely true. The, the novels that energize me most are those about detectives, about journalists, about people who are completely immersed in their work. And of course, with journalists and uh, detectives, there's often a lot of suspense and mystery anyway. Um, but I like that. I like to be given an insight into into the world of, of work. And actually, I'm just going to add this in here. It's another book. I was um, reading Patricia Highsmith's book, Plotting and Writing Suspense Fiction. And she was also talking about not the interest of the reader, but the need as a writer to find out about different professions also to make our work richer. So, yeah, so this is uh, this was something I, I quite enjoyed that I read on, on in, uh, in Stephen King's book that uh, people like to read about work. Um, of course, this might not be true for everyone, but um, yeah, King is the only writer I've heard highlighting this aspect of reader's enjoyment. So I thought it was worth mentioning. And he's got loads more insight, but here are um, my favorite. Talking about description, he says, good description usually consists of a few well-chosen details that will stand for everything else. Crafty, like that. And on editing, he lives by the formula second draft equals first draft minus 10%. That's another bit of his advice that I hear regularly, that editing is more about removing all the stuff that you don't need rather than adding. Um, something to look out for if you're having trouble with a scene or a description, because when we're not clear, we write too much. So something to, to be aware of when starting to edit is... Am I saying too much? And finally, here's a quote I'd like to end today's episode with. Description begins in the writer's imagination, but should finish in the reader's. 
Well, that's all for today. I'll recap the words we've covered in a second. But before that, just a reminder of your host's name. I'm Pilar Orti, and I would love to hear from you. Have you got any words you've discovered lately? Any books you'd like to recommend? Have you come across an inspirational piece of advice on writing lately? Please let me know so that I can share it with other listeners. You can connect with me on Twitter at WordMazePodcast or you can pop over to WordMaze.cafe and look for the contact form. And while you're there, to check out the About page for a list of my other podcasts and my varied books. And while you're there at the website, you can also check out the words individually by going to the Words and Books page. Words and Books. Today's words were subriquet, insouciant, douse, glibly, subret, iniquity, cantankerous, lackluster, lauding. Thank you very, very much for listening. Stay curious, enjoy reading and keep writing.